0: of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash star talk today. He uh, held
1: this, this hose up to his butt. I just started barfing in the mask. Like not, I didn't okay. smell anything. That, that thing it didn't even weird.
2: need the smell. <laughs> it was really- Welcome to star talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk, a cosmic queries edition of a special kind. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And Steve O, th- this, is, this is the man of Jackass, what one of many players in that franchise. So, Steve O, welcome to Star Talk. Well, thank you for having me. It's exciting. You're a comedian, a professional stuntsman, um, and best known for Participating in the franchise Jackass, which is not only on TV but multiple movies. Uh, you've got a new book out. Let me get the title of this book: A Hard Kick in the Nuts. What I've learned from a lifetime of terrible decisions. Uh, people like this is like a sounds like a self help topic, and people get totally get into that topic. So I wish you well on that. We'll talk more about it. And you've got a bucket list tour. So this is, your on stage, you're doing crazier, more extreme stunts than ever made it to the screen or to television. Is this on in a theater state? What is this context for this? I tour theaters, um, you know, from like 1,000 to 2,000
1: seats, and it's a, a multimedia show. So the crazier stuff than ever before happened as I put the show together, and um After each bit in the show, I pay it off by playing
2: video of the story that I just told. Wow, okay, okay. And so you were a household name in an entire demographic uh, of this country. And in fact, when we put out our request for questions, um, it was like flooded with people who are your fans and who want to see whatever might be the mix of the stunts that you do with whatever physics might be behind it. Either physics you've thought of or haven't, and I'm here to fill in some of those blanks uh, if necessary. So, in this particular episode, you're serving not only as my co-host, but as the guest. So, you'll be reading the questions that people have sent to you. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) but before we start that, have psychologists looked closer at you to see what's going on inside your head? (laughs) Um, uh, I don't think so, and I
1: think it's pretty uh, straightforward. I'm an attention whore.
2: Oh, that's okay. That, that, boom. There it is. You got the whole explanation. Yeah, it's really that simple. And
1: speaking of physics, um, quite literally, one hour ago, I was jumping a skateboard onto a moving car. This was uh, my plan. I just bought a new Tesla Model Y. And, uh, and, and I had a vision of, of the car coming towards me and jumping up onto the hood and skateboarding over and dropping off the back. Of course. Oh, because it has that very curved dewdrop shape. Yeah, was that why? Yep. I was looking at it. I thought that I thought that that um
2: was very skatable. Um. Okay. I, I had a, wait wait. You didn't actually do this. You just thought of doing.
1: No, no. I, I I was just jumping onto it, but but I didn't complete the whole thing. I got um a friend of mine to build uh build the hood a little further down so that it so uh-huh. that I could. It's kind of a wedge ramp which the Tesla was pushing. And um, mm. so that I can get onto the hood more 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 easily. Okay,
2: so you might have died before this. And I was podcast. only going five miles an hour. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, okay, you might have been injured before this podcast. Okay. I might have. Yeah, I, I still got uh, to work okay. to do that. Uh, we, we need to build something onto the back. But all right, uh, so you still still dreaming that one up? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad you you survived. For this podcast, because I'd feel bad if if that if that never didn't that one didn't work out. Uh, so you say a bucket list tour. Normally, a bucket list is things you want to do before you die. Correct. And these are th- things that you might die doing, so you're doing them before you die. Or is it just things you've dreamt up your whole life and thought you'd put them all in one show? Correct. That that's They're ideas that
1: I've had for for in in some cases decades, and um. It's not like a morbid, like, uh, I'm going to die, so I've got to hurry up and do these things. It's more a case of uh, me recognizing that there's a finite amount of time left for me to be able to do
2: these type of crazy stunts. So, As when you're an old man on the porch, it's not happening, right?
1: Right. I mean, <laughs> like, that's the first thing I say in the show, is that uh, I find myself in a terrible situation. I'm Steve-O in my 40s. And uh, no. I think that <laughs> it, it gets a good little laugh and the idea that, wow,
2: you know, Steve-O in my 40s, it's... Uh, right, because you were Steve-O in your 20s when all this began, right? Correct. Yeah. So I'm, t- I'm, I'm I'm delighted to report you're alive and healthy. I mean, this is this is good. Yeah, thank you. So uh, you got questions there. Do you want to start reading some? Okay, the first question comes from Chris Knopp
1: uh, for Steve-O. Longtime fan, ever since your earliest days of filmmaking, always able to produce some good laughs and, frankly, ballsy stunts that no one else would be willing to do. Has there ever been anything intriguing about science and physics for you? And if so, what sparked it?
2: Yeah, because what I would say there is, you, you know, you can't go at your stunts. You got to understand some laws of motion, gravity. There's got to be some physics foundation within you. For sure. Before you attempt much of this. So uh, how does that all settle out within you? Yeah, um, the the, the question continues, uh,
1: has your career changed this for you, such as injuries forcing you to learn more about these things? Um, Okay, so um, I think that, has there ever been anything intriguing about science and physics for you? Again, I'm an attention whore. I've always sought to, um, you know, Make an impact on people to to be notable, to be uh, shocking and entertaining. And um, my my way of going about that was to do stunts. And the stunts that I've done um, are, are the stunts that I do are designed to make me appear really crazy. Like oh, this guy, he could die. He's out of his mind. Like it's this is so mm-hmm. this is so wild and unhinged. When in reality. For the most part, everything that you see me do is something that I started doing on a very low level and just gradually worked my way up. In the beginning, wow. it, was, it was it was it was a lot of jumping off of uh, like buildings into swimming pools, like across gaps, and um, you know I would be doing a flip off of a three-story roof into four feet of water and uh there there's some physics in that. you know I had to start yes. off <laughs> I had to start okay. off uh, you know on the just the the second floor balcony and then go to the third floor, you know, and
2: learn how to hit the water and curve in. So that's one example. Well, that's a very important revelation. what you're what you're telling us, and thank you for even admitting this, is that you have made your stunts safer than they look. Oh by design, a hundred percent. But, and that's the whole foundation of it. so, so it really has to say, do not try this at home because if you just try it at home, you would not have put in the homework necessary to end up surviving and even thriving in the face of those stunts. Correct.
1: And we always did have that warning uh, the, the these stunts are performed by professionals. Do not attempt anything you're about to see. and um, I think that there's a contingent of the audience that sees that warning and maybe they're dyslexic to
2: some extent because it says "dare." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> dare you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and YouTube is full of such dares. Yes, yes. right. Uh, all all around. Right. Um, and and so, did you take physics in high school? Um, I, I I I suppose I did.
1: I don't remember it very well. I, I just remember that like, I, I did quite well. In, in school, I mean, I don't know quite well. I was a like a solid B student and and you know okay. a, a good kid um, through uh, the first couple years of high school, and then in um, my my junior year of high school, that was when I I sampled a marijuana cigarette and and
2: uh oh uh oh reefer madness here it comes
1: <laughs> and it uh it, it kind of had me um. You know, stopped doing quite so well in school. And, and um, I remember trigonometry did not go very well. Trigonometry and that's marijuana. About the, right,
2: that's the age, yeah. 11th grade, yeah. That's trigonometry yeah. right there.
1: Trigonometry and weed do not mix. <laughs> that should
2: be the title of your book. <laughs> that's your next book, okay? <laughs> right. I love that. <laughs> trigonometry.
1: By that measure, I think physics and weed don't mix either.
2: So... Uh, uh-huh. There, was
1: a, there were a number of classes I really underperformed in, and physics may have been one of them.
2: So what, what I would say is there's a lot of physics you can glean by trial and error. And as you said, you did it smartly by incrementing yeah. your steps. But I, I can say that if you, if you take some physics, even this late in your life, you might see other stunts you could perform once you realize what the physics is doing beyond whatever you were sort of inventing in your, your crazy sleepless nights. Right. That's just, just a thought.
1: I, I, I don't know if I'm going to end up taking a physics class, but uh,
2: but <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. But you but you've put it on my radar. <laughs> uh, on your radar. Right. To know some physics is to be good at matter, motion, and energy. Right. To, you think about those three things, and all three of those are completely balled up in what it is you do. Right. Your body is in motion, you land from gravity. You And in physics, you get to calculate all of right. that. And you get to see, well, how fast can I go before that happens? Or what is the friction between me and that surface? Can I reduce the friction or increase the friction depending on what you need? These are entire chapters in an introductory physics book. So- There's one I've got on my to-do list. Um, which will
1: happen uh, in the beginning of next year. It's 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 rather simple. I bought a smart car for the for the purpose of crashing it into a brick wall to make sure the airbags
2: work. Okay, and that. One, <laughs> but the smart car is that little car that you can park almost anywhere right. between two other cars. Right, right, and. Um, it, it's. I just love the irony of
1: uh, doing that in a smart car, you know. Right. <laughs> um, okay. and, but the thing is, the th- this is where I'm going to need the physics because um, it's not something that I can start small and work my way up. If I'm crashing this car into the wild, there's only one shot at doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't want it to be underwhelming and I don't want it to be too much,
2: where where I really get hurt. So I need to actually. Oh, you you're in the car when it happens. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the whole point. <laughs> oh, you said I'm going to crash this car yeah, into I'm, a I'm, wall. Yeah, I'm gonna drive the car into the wall. So so. Oh, and this is the smallest car in the marketplace. Okay, okay. So that could be your tomb. I, I've got to I've got to figure out the science of that
1: one to get the sweet spot about what's going to be the most impressive um uh, rate of speed into the wall to get the most okay here's footage. what you do
2: here's, here's what you do you go knock on the door of the NTSA National Transportation Safety Association and say lend me one of your crash test dummies <laughs> yeah well that <laughs> okay. that's the plan is to dress up as a crash test dummy <laughs> oh 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 okay you got that thought out already yeah. no so what you need is look at their data Right. and they will show you at what speed above which cuz they test all these cars right cuz they have to report their safety records before they're even marketed so you find out at what speed before the chest or the crash test dummy collapsed or before their kneecaps broke by you know right. by the by the front of the car moving into their legs so you should be able to get some prior data on this right it's going to be great you know there was another
1: one i, I was on tour in uh niagara falls and, and I, I got disinterested and looked up a video of people who went over Niagara Falls deliberately. And it was a fascinating video I watched. About, I think there had been like 12 people or so who who did it deliberately. And it became evident by the end of this video that the people who put like real effort into planning it out fared pretty well. Okay. <laughs> And so <laughs> I got uh kind of obsessed with the idea and I reached out to this uh this company that um that works for NASA but it's not called NASA but they work in Pasadena. They they did these are all the the scientists in Pasadena. Man, I was like it could be Jet Propulsion Labs? Cuz uh,
2: that, that, that's a branch of NASA and they're in Pasadena. So JPL. The Jet Propulsion yeah. Labs. JPL. Yeah, JPL. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. And uh, I didn't hear back
1: from them. There, I was. Guys asked, and I wanted to help building a crash capsule
2: to go over Niagara Falls. And yeah, I, I probably would not have returned those emails. <laughs> okay. I just, in, all, in all fairness, to right. the rational universe out there. But go on, and my
1: buddy, my buddy from Jackass, Chris Pontius, um, masterfully got me to stop pursuing that idea. By telling me, <laughs> dude, it's been, it's been done. Oh, okay. You know, like we're pioneers, man. You know, like we, we, oh, we, yeah. we do things that have never been done.
2: Don't go uh, don't go, you know, doing other people's stuff. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to the next question with Steve O. All right. Uh one of the great jackasses of our generation when Star Talk returns.
1: Hey, I'm Roy Hill Percival, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Bringing the universe down to Earth, this is
2: Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back, Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Edition. I've got Steve O right here with us, who is a beloved participant in the Jackass franchise from the beginning. And he's got a new book with got the best title ever, A Hard Kick in the Nuts, What I've Learned from a Lifetime of Terrible Decisions, and, and he's on a bucket list tour, uh, visiting a theater near you to demonstrate some of the craziest stuff he's ever dreamt up. So uh, Steve-O, thanks for being on Star Talk. And you've been not only my guest, but my co-host, uh, reading the questions that have come to us from our Patreon Fan base. So, why don't you read the next question? Now. Okay, here we go.
1: This comes from uh, Dade Bloomfield. Hey, hello, Dade from Milwaukee here. Steve have you ever done the math to see how fast your porta potty slingshot was going? Oh,
2: <laughs> I, I
0: have not. For
2: me, that was the most famous one. That's, I'm sorry. It was. That, was the, that one, nothing else compared to that for me. But uh, I, I I don't disagree. I think that that was uh, that was
1: my most iconic jackass moment, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I was never too concerned with how fast it was going, but I think how high it was going, or you know how high it went, is is probably the most
2: notable, perhaps. I think it was a good hundred feet in the air. A hundred feet in the air. So as you know, in modern uh, baseball, they calculate. All manner of statistics from a hit ball: what the exit angle is, what the exit velocity is, how fast the bat was moving, and so you could just invite some of those folks anytime you do a projectile stunt. Uh, they could have it totally analyzed for you um, right. uh, coming out the, the the other side. So just remind me: inside that porta potty, it, was it clean or it was, it was, it was not, not clean? clean probably- um, the uh, the idea was for it to be filled with poo.
1: However, as um, uh, you know, a part of the the Motion Picture Film Association, um, you know, we have to abide by um, what's called OSHA, OSHA, o- Occupational Safety
2: Safety Hazards, yeah, yeah, uh, Administration, yeah, yeah.
1: So according to OSHA, um, it was against the rules to fill the porta potty with human poo. However. It was not against the rules of OSHA to fill the porta potty with dog poop. And <laughs> if you can believe it, they found, they found a company which sold poop. Like you could buy as much dog poop as you wanted. And the name of the company, believe it or not, I, I swear I'm not making this up. It was that this company was called We Do Do Do. We Do Do Do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they bought lots and lots of dog poop and filled up the porta potty with that. So this is for all needs
2: that people have for dog poo. That's
1: <laughs> right. And and uh, I'll tell you, I I, I had uh, just gotten two dogs around the time of that movie, and um, after I filmed that bit, when I would walk my dogs and and pick up their poo, I would bend over, pick up the poo, and I'd look at it and think. Man, I am gnarly. <laughs>
2: I'm a gnarly guy. Uh, well, yeah, what's the subtitle of your book? Uh, what I've Learned from a Lifetime of Terrible Decisions. Yeah. So are there, are there moments from that book that you can share that are sort of other sort of crazy moments that maybe oh, yeah. you should have thought twice about it? Yeah.
1: For for my second comedy special, I... I um, because there's was a multimedia thing I, I, all my all of my my comedy is is multimedia and so I wanted to have a really big fantastic ending and the idea I came up with for that was to bring in um like a pyrotechnics guy and uh get real like impressive explosions going on to like blow up my living room of my house with me in it and, and I, I had all these silly little things blowing up and each thing was a little bit more um sort of uh ambitious than the last. And it, it I kept getting away with all of these these uh explosion stunts and you know nothing was happening to me. And so ultimately I decided, well, I've gotta get like kind of hurt, you know, like I can't just walk away from this and nothing happened.
0: <laughs> By the end of
1: this shoot. Uh, I actually, my my buddies and I, we we were uh, hollowing out model rocket engines, and uh, so this this rocket engine fuel from the model rocket engines,
2: wow. we uh, mm-hmm.
1: sprinkled it all over. These,
2: uh, so Estes makes these rockets, and I remember the D engine was the largest engine. And you put several of those. You'd build a Saturn V rocket. They had one of those. Wow! And, and so, yeah. So you knew where to get your explosives, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, we 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 got a lot of model rocket engines. We had a whole team hollowing them out in the garage, and we um, sprinkled a, sprinkled the the rocket engine fuel all over my living room floor. And um, I laid down in it and did snow angels. And my buddies lit it with me laying in it. And, and uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was exact true. I ended up uh I ended up five days later in a burn unit, uh, having skin graft surgery
2: on fifteen percent of my body. So this sounds like one day you're not gonna get through it. If it keeps accelerating in this way. That's what it feels yeah, I, like to me.
1: Or or um it sounds like uh, I've closed the book on the fire stunts. <laughs> okay. okay. You know, there's certain things, there's certain times when, when you got to recognize you've, you've, you've reached the end of a trail.
2: Yeah, I'd say 15% skin graft. Yes. <laughs> end of the trail there. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you got another question.
1: Yeah. Uh, that, I think we actually just answered it. Um, Connor Holm asks, Hey, Steve, when has physics screwed you over
2: the most? Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, physics, just to be clear, physics is doing what it does. Right. Okay. It's not it's not trying to screw you over. Correct. It has no it has no agency. about… Uh, you know, there's about- so, there's so
1: much I'd love to talk to you about in this regard. Like the 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 concept of good and bad is uh- <laughs> It's such a, <laughs> a a mental construct that we've come up with yeah. there is no such thing as good or bad. there's
2: simply that which is there's yeah well, okay, no there's that which is and then you nuance it with a good or bad right The is is more foundational clearly right. than whether or not that is is good or bad and you can say is it good for my Health or longevity, right? Okay, or, or is it bad for you? So you you can ask those. Okay, those questions, I, I like that. But I like that. We can save some of those for the end. We can go, right. go all philosophical if you want. Yeah,
1: for sure. There's um. There's no such thing as punishment. There's just the the law of cause and effect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. And uh, Connor's question continues. Uh, he says, "And are you still able to contribute to the process of producing children?" Um, oh, <laughs> how politely asked right. that was! I mean, this is actually part of my bucket list show. Um, there there uh-huh. was there was a, an idea, the oldest idea of them all on the bucket list. It was called the Vasectomy Olympics, and it was inspired by a joke I heard when I was twelve years old, which was, "What is the definition of macho? It's a man who jogs home from his own vasectomy." And uh, you know, being, being the attention whore that I am, I've never wanted anything more than to be to be macho, and I grew up with the idea that I would get a vasectomy and then then really go really go nuts. So. When I'm Well, we, we, it, we need
2: evidence of your vasectomy. Oh, like I said, I, I got good.
1: that covered. It's a multimedia show.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, of course.
1: I've got the most hilarious vasectomy video ever produced. But before <laughs> I got the vasectomy, I, I just couldn't do it without first going to get a sperm count at the fertility clinic. Because people have been asking me the same question. Like after all the terrible things that have happened to your nuts, can you still, c- could you have kids even if you want it? and um and uh they, they, what i learned when i went to the the fertility clinic um that the average man has believe it or not 20 to 30 million sperm per millimeter or per milliliter of semen and yeah yeah and your boy clocked in at 51 million
2: <laughs> <laughs> so i but so so what you're saying is over all these years, your nuts have actually been stimulated. Right. If it doesn't kill you, it actually makes you stronger. <laughs> Except, despite the fact that I've got a
1: an, a remarkably high sperm count, like they're they're all swimming
2: sideways. <laughs> <laughs> they're, all cr- they're all they're all on wheelchairs. You know, all in crutches coming to me. <laughs> yeah, that's worth noting. So let's give. Uh, uh, oh, so just to finish out on the laws of physics. So I. I'm just defending the laws of physics that they have no agency here right. that they'll sure. do whatever the laws of physics uh, allow them to. And so it's a matter of you navigating that. that that's really all that's going on. Is
1: it safe to, to describe the laws of physics as the natural law of cause and effect? Is there any
2: difference? Um, there are some things that have no obvious cause, like radioactivity. Uh, when, a, when an element decays, from a higher element for a heavier element to a lighter element. It does it on its own time. We cannot predict when it will happen. It's sitting there minding its own business and then bada bing, it changes. And without any obvious cause. So we're forced to say it just is, right? Now, what is true is that all the atoms of a particular kind have a very repeatable half-life. Okay, so the half-life is over this amount of time, half of them remain yet to convert to another element. And then you, that you wait the same amount of time and half again. And so it keeps halving all the way down. And so some live a longer time, some don't. And it, it's a mystery per atom what each atom is going to do next. So I can't call that a cause and effect. Okay, I love that. And, uh, and it makes It just sense. is. It
1: yeah, makes perfect yeah. sense. Okay, the the last uh, question was from Connor in uh, Squim, Washington. All right. Now we're going to move on to... Uh, we can Time for just one more before this break. Okay, let, let's do it. From Aaron, hey, Steve-O and Neil. This is Aaron writing in from Richmond, Virginia. Here's a question you can both weigh in on. In the fart mask stunt from Jackass2, do you think there was a real possibility the mask could explode from the amount of <laughs> methane being produced by Preston Lacey? Thanks for doing this episode. <laughs> yeah,
2: dude. Now I can answer right, so- this. I love that. I love Are that. Are you familiar with? Uh, I'll lead off, and then when we come back from the break, you pick it up. Okay. So just lay down some physics here and some chemistry. So methane is chemically the the element carbon attached to CH four four hydrogen atoms. So it's CH four, and it is the byproduct of of microbes basically digesting, eating, we call it digesting, eating their food in an environment that has no oxygen. So deep in your gut, there's no oxygen. So it's what we say anaerobic. So that's deep in your gut. And so there are microbes that just love it there. And one of their byproducts is methane, which happens to be highly flammable. It is highly flammable. And so that old trick you might have heard in, in camp, okay, let's try to light their farts, you know, that actually comes from foundations in chemistry and physics. There's energy stored in that molecule. And so that if you bring a flame to it, you break apart that molecule and energy gets released. And depending on how much of it's there, it'll just be a, 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 sort of a flash of a flame, or it could be an actual explosion. So, that's just to get the physics laid down. And so now, when we come back, we're going to find out what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> and and we'll look at the risk factors of your face blowing up when Stark Talk continues. Uh, Cosmic Queries with Stevo, a jackass intro. <laughs> So we're back. Star talk cosmic fairies with Steve O, who's got who's entering his bucket list tour at a theater near you. Is it just called the bucket list tour? It's called Steve O the bucket list tour. Steve O and the bucket list tour. That's all the information you it's, need. It's
1: actually uh, somewhat winding down now. Um, I'm, okay. I'm about to go on a run through
2: Canada and then I've got, uh, some U.S. dates after that. But the book lives on. The book the, lives on. Okay. Yep. And, and, and remind me the title of it again. It's something about getting kicked in the nuts. It's called A Hard Kick <laughs> in the Nuts. What I've Learned from a Lifetime of Terrible Decisions. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, the, the questioner asked about your, your methane fart mask. Right. And the risk of it blowing up. Were you near any possible spark or flame um, no, at the time? But,
1: but there's there, there's a pretty fascinating newer one. Um, to 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 explain to you, the the fart mask was uh, it was kind of like it, it, it was a, a sphere like a globe. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of looked like an astronaut mask type of thing, and uh, it was sort of sealed around the neck, and it had a hose coming out of it. The hose uh, had had a funnel and my buddy, Preston, held the funnel up to his button and farted into it. Now, the reality is that I don't see any possible way that any of that fart actually made it through that whole hose and into the mask. But mm-hmm. what made the bit visually successful was that I just have such a, a hyperactive imagination that the idea that something might be gross historically has just set me off barfing. So just as he he uh, held this this hose up to his butt, I just started barfing in the mask. Like, not, I didn't oh, okay. smell anything. Nothing. nothing it didn't even need it. the smell. <laughs> it didn't so even weird. need the smell. And there was not a... um. Uh, the danger of a spark inside the mask. But for for our our most recent Jackass movie, which came out this year called Jackass Forever, they brought in um a big water tank with uh sort of a seating situation in it. And um this great guy from Mythbusters, Tori Bellichi, who had an underwater torch. And there was this mechanism to capture farts Completely underwater, and then so it'd be a in. bubble
2: of of air, but it's it's fart air, right?
1: Right, mm-hmm. and and bring in uh, bring in up uh, the torch to light it underwater. Now I could not believe the blast that that caused, and in hindsight, it makes sense to me because like uh, the the philosophy of a pipe bomb: if you try, if you take an explosion and try to contain it, what you're actually doing is just magnifying it.
2: Yeah, that's correct. And so that's correct.
1: Let me ask you this, does it follow that 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 same magnification of the explosion from a pipe bomb would apply to an underwater fart
2: that would, like make the Well, so the that the fart bubble is being com- is completely surrounded by water, which is much denser than the air itself. Right. And so what so just to be clear, any explosion any explosion Is the on you know in the atmosphere is a is a high temperature spot that rap because of the high temperature rapidly expands the air around it and it's the expanding air that we think of as the explosion and if it's a weapon they put like BBs and nuts and and nails and things in it and you get like a grenade that the expanding air turns the the shrapnel into into because there's there's the shrapnel that's just the residue of the bomb itself, but there's the shrapnel you can put in on purpose, right? right? And that then becomes individual projectiles that can each become deadly. In this case, you have rapidly expanding bubble, but the bubble has its size, right? If you try to make that bubble any bigger instantly, what's the water going to do? The water is not going to compress. It has to fly out of the way. Right. It can only just... Bust out of the way. So it would, it would make a much, uh, it was a brilliant setup because it would make a much bigger explosion in the water than it would if you just did it in the air, because right. then that's just air expanding into air.
1: I couldn't believe it. It caught me completely off guard. Yes, yes. So if you
2: blast. did it, if you did it in a balloon, if you wanted to like be physics mythbustery about it, you do it underwater and it explodes the water out of the way. But if you do it in a balloon and then explode that. It'll be like a pop, but it's not going to be a, a, a massive thing because it's I just pushing other squishable things around it called the atmosphere. I, I remember I felt so, like I'd
1: been kicked in the nuts. Like uh, the, the, the <laughs> blast of the underwater part, like it, it was, the water went flying. It was like, whoa. But like, uh, it, was a, it was a real, uh, like I think that that was my, my favorite
2: moment of our most recent Jackass movie. I love it. I love it. And just to, to round out the methane Conversation, um, we we have found methane on Mars, uh, 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 it oozing out from the sides of ravines, and so there are many because Mars doesn't have oxygen in its air. So, uh, so where people are wondering, are there microbes buried beneath the surface, undergoing anaerobic metabolism, metabolism without oxygen, and then it would be releasing methane. So that's one uh, uh, appearance of methane like in our backyard, well, for me, it's our backyard, Mars, Uh, and a moon of Saturn called Titan, the temperature is so low that methane that's on that moon has liquefied. So there are actually rivers of methane going into lakes of methane on Saturn's moon, Titan. So methane is a really fascinating uh, uh, molecule that is sort of the foundation of so much of what's going on uh, in in organic chemistry, but so oh one other thing uh, at Cornell University they have a huge agriculture school where they have cows that are there for to study they study the, the the lactation the you know the the three however many four stomachs however many they have and one of them they carved open a side of the cow you can see into the and put a plexi window I I would think the cow would care about this, but apparently they don't. (laughs) And you can just see the food come in and get digested. They collect the cow farts. And they burn the cow farts in the winter to keep the barn warm. So it's one closed thermodynamic system. There's a lot going on with methane. (laughs) So do you, sir, have questions for me?
1: I do. We've got, we've got a very short amount of time. There's two things mm-hmm. that, uh, that come to mind as my bigger priorities. I've heard this saying that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience, but rather we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I've read different things that talk about how at, as spirits, we before we incarnate into this physical body that we we choose our parents that we we uh, that there's a blueprint for the for the experience that that we're seeking to have as in the human body um, and that as part of the blueprint there are uh, life events which are predetermined that are going to like just happen have you ever heard any of that stuff
2: before i've heard about it just briefly but what i would say is i i think it's it's a beautiful concept right okay. and just turning the tables on something that uh, religious people feel deeply that we are a corporeal experience how house- hosting a spiritual entity, be it your soul or anything right. else. And you, you turn the tables on that, and it's, you're talking about a spirit looking for a body or, or, or creating, you know, going through the body factory to, and ordering to, <laughs> ordering up a la carte what kind of life experience you wanted your body to have. That would make an amazing science fiction story if it hasn't already been done. And so I'm, I'm intrigued by the concept But what I can say as a scientist is if I'm going to apportion my confidence that something is true, I'm going to apportion that confidence according to how much evidence supports it. So you're saying not
1: a lot of evidence to support that theory.
2: Not a lot of evidence to support (laughs) spirits floating around, choosing bodies and their parents and life. There's not a lot of evidence for that. I love the idea though. Okay. I mean, that that wouldn't be, you know, that's in the mix of fun sci-fi ideas that people have made movies about. So, I'm all okay. in on it. I'll be the first in line at the at the IMAX. But um <laughs> <it's> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I I just don't see evidence for that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, um
1: it, when we talk about um the like what happens after the the end of our physical body. Um
2: we we don't we don't have a lot of evidence for that either, huh? Well, so here's here's what we do have. Um, consider that many people who have sort of near-death experiences and they, they come back, some of them say, oh, I saw a light and I wanted to follow the light. And no one follows up on that to then report that they were near death, they were brought back to life in the hospital on an operating table that has a light over the table. <laughs> okay. Right. So, so if, you're, if you're dead and then you're coming back, you know, in half consciousness and you see a light, we got it for you, all right? That's the light over the operating table. And there are people who say that they have an out-of-body experience where they look down and see their body. So, you can test for that. Here's what you do, all right? You get your relative to write something down on a card, okay? uh-huh. and put it up above the light facing upwards, so that if you have an out-of-body experience and you look down on yourself, you should be able to read what's on that card so that when you come back to life, you'll say, oh, it said order me a slice of pizza or whatever. The, the, right. There has to be some simple saying. And that has yet to be duplicated as an experiment. So for, that's for the out-of-body people. And in terms of what happens to you, of course, reincarnation people are all about that, right? They're totally in on you taking on another form, another human form. Or if you're, uh, you know, in India, there's, you come back either as a different animal or, or a lesser animal if you were not good. So there's a lot of people thinking about this. All I can say is that there's evidence from people who have strokes, mini strokes, and you systematically, you can do the, the, the brain scan and parts of the brain start shutting off bit by bit, rather than a catastrophic stroke. I'm talking about little bitty strokes. And they lose their language. They lose their ability to identify you, lose their ability to speak. And this just accumulates until they lose their ability to do everything. And then they're basically brain dead. So this is evidence that everything you are is manifested in the electrochemical impulses in your brain. And when those impulses go away, we got nothing left for you except the body. Right. And by the way, your body has energy content. You know how the methane molecule has energy? So does the molecules in your body. It's just not highly flammable. It's not as energetic as a—but your body can burn, all right? The fact that something burns means it had energy as part of it. Paper burns because there's energy locked into— the the, the the molecules that were once wood in that paper, and it gets released in the form of heat. So your dead body, um, if you cremate it, your body's energy becomes flames, and that energy radiates into space, where it moves at the speed of light across the universe. So in a way, you're still out there. Right. The energy that was once in you, so that's a little bit of a spiritual thought that actually has root. Truths in physics and thermodynamics. What about life review? Have you ever heard of that? Where is this while you're dying and you see your whole life unfold yeah. in front of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm intrigued by that. Um, I, I know that that's happened to me, even when I knew I wasn't about to die, but there was some emotionally stressful moment. It was like, whoa, that was kind of freaky. So. Maybe it's not that you're about to die, therefore this happens. Maybe you're, there's a little, your brain has is, is been jostled in some way. Right. And it releases these memories that are all there. But uh, at different times of day, depending on whether you've had coffee or Red Bull or whatever is <laughs> your stimulant of the moment, um, you can have different depths of access to your memories. And I try to make sure, ever see people now uh, what was it? Uh, some, the Pope was visiting a city somewhere, and the Pope was going by in the Pope mobile, and everybody had out their smartphone, and they're looking at the Pope in the smartphone. I say, it's the Pope. Put down your smartphone and look at the Pope and create a memory on that. What are you doing? And so, or anything, they pull out the th- screen and they're looking at their screen. Right. And I'm thinking, people forgot how to cherish a singular memory. Yeah, they just want to record it on a three-inch screen and watch it back on a three-inch screen. If they ever, and then even it's not a memory it anymore. It's just it's a repeat. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Um, I, I uh, spoke my first words in Portuguese. Um, I, I uh, spoke Spanish in nursery school, um, and uh, and I, my parents spoke English. I spoke three languages by the age of three, and forgot two of them completely by the age of five. However, when I was 11 years old at summer camp, these kids uh, who spoke Portuguese, maybe they were from Brazil, maybe Portugal, they said they were freaking out. They said that in my sleep the night before, I was speaking Portuguese in my sleep. Now, I had no access to to this language. However, it's in there.
2: Like, it's in there. Okay, were you... uh... Portuguese conquistador in an early life were you? No, my, my father was the
1: president of
2: Pepsi-Cola in Brazil. Oh my gosh. Okay. So there's some Portuguese rootstock there in some way. So what I would say there is uh, we need better evidence than just the eyewitness testimony of your fellow campers. And next time this happens, have them set up a recording device. Right. Okay? And then we can listen back and have experts analyze it and not just, I heard you speaking Portuguese. Right. Because consider, they have Portuguese filters in their brains. So if they hear words out there, if they just hear syllables, utterances, and you know to hear Portuguese, they could be selecting Portuguese syllables. Right. And I, I'm pretty sure you're not, Composing complex sentences in your sleep. Right. So we're just talking about utterances here. It could be that they cherry picked yeah. the bits and pieces and say, "I heard you speak Portuguese." So to head that off, you want to do, get data on it and record it so that we can then bring it to the lab. Just just future advice for you. I think that's fantastic, man. I'll tell
1: you what, Neil. I, I wish we could talk for longer. And uh... listen, it's great. To, I'm just I'm
2: glad to know you're alive. And you have a high sperm count before your vasectomy. And now your sperm count is presumably zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went in for the
1: test afterwards. There was not even a corpse on the battlefield.
2: Not a corpse on the bed. Ba- not even one that got through on crutches. Oh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. But Steve-O, it's been a delight to chat with you. Thanks for being my uh, host and, and guest. Uh, all rolled up in one. We knew you had it in you. And likewise, and, man. And you Thank you. you made it happen. And good luck on your tour and the, and the sale. I'm more closer to books than to to yeah. to theaters. I mean, I've done work in theaters before, but for me as an academic, the book is the forever record of what yeah. you've done. Because if someone doesn't show up at your show, then unless it's on Netflix or something, they don't see it, right. they don't experience it. But the book is your chance to speak through the ages, and so uh, I'm glad you have a book out there. I got two. Well. This
1: one's my second. Second. What was the first one? It's called Professional Idiot: A Memoir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. I'm gonna go back to that one first ah, and read that it. one
2: before we continue. All right, dude. Thank, thanks for being on Star hey, Talk. Thank you, Neil. All right. This has been Star Talk, a special Cosmic Queries edition with the one and only Steve-O, who apparently still alive. <laughs> this has been star Talk Neil deGrasse Tyson here you're a personal astrophysicist keep looking up